So recently we started with the text again from chapter 1. This is from chapter 1, section 3, Atonement and Miracles. Mm. So there are a couple of things in this section that I think are important. When you first start reading the Course, you have to really understand that it's the Christ voice or the Christ consciousness speaking to you. So this section 3 in chapter 1 starts right off. It says, I am in charge of the process of atonement which I undertook to begin. When you offer a miracle to any of my brothers, you do it to yourself and me. The reason you come before me is that I do not need miracles for my atonement, but I stand at the end in case you fail temporarily. My part in the atonement is the canceling out of all errors that you could not otherwise correct. Mm. So, I mean, with that That's statement, good, isn't it? yeah, it's it's first atonement is like complete forgiveness of everything, and your undoing of the ego and your return to your awareness of your God-created self. So like it's a correction of all your wrong thinking, right? Yes. And the Christ consciousness is in charge of that. When you're reading The Course in Miracles, and this is your spiritual practice, you have to surrender uh, to the knowledge of the Christ consciousness because the whole book is that. Mm -hmm. the, whole, the whole communication is from the Christ consciousness. So I think he makes it very clear where he says, I am in charge of the process of atonement. Mm -hmm. um, that's a very key line in the whole book. Um, you have to make sure you're uh, aware that it's the Christ helping you. So then let's go on. When you have been restored to the recognition of your original state, you naturally become part of the atonement yourself. As you share my unwillingness to accept error in yourself and others, you must join the great crusade to correct it. Listen to my voice, learn to undo error, and act to correct it. The power to work miracles belongs to you, and I will provide the opportunities to do them, but you must be ready and willing. Doing them will bring conviction in the ability, because conviction comes through accomplishment. The ability is the potential, the achievement is its expression, and the atonement, which is the natural profession of the children of God, is the purpose. Mm. That was pretty clear. So the whole purpose of the Course in Miracles is this correction of our wrong thinking. And when that's taken place, uh, and it takes place through the miracles of forgiveness, which he goes into later, but uh, that chain of forgiveness makes up the atonement. You know, some people have noticed that atonement, if you break it down, it's at-one-ment. Right. So it's this unification of the sonship 
he calls every son of God, every human being on the planet, is part of the sonship, and every human being on the planet has an essence of the Christ consciousness within them, and this is his job to wake that up, and that's why he's in charge of this process of atonement. So, you know, certain uh, enlightened beings come to impart lessons to humanity, and they're very particular to their mission. So this mission of atonement was Christ's mission. You know, uh, forgive your neighbor, treat your neighbor as yourself, that kind of thing. You know, and that was his mission in life. Buddha would have a different mission. Mohammed would have a different mission. Amici would have a different mission. Uh, and his particular mission is this being in charge of the process of atonement. Right. Um, so which is the correction of all your wrong thinking, but he's not going to do it for you, is he? You have to do it yourself, don't you? Well, yeah. I mean, you're... Any, any teacher, any real teacher will not make you dependent on them and they don't do the work for you. You have to go through the lessons and the experiences in your life where you bring the principles into application. So, so what does that mean if he's in charge of it though? Well, that means he's the teacher of it. He's the one that is going to help you make your own corrections and help you get on this this track of atonement. He calls it here uh, the great crusade to correct errors. Oh, okay. You know, as you share my unwillingness to accept error in yourself and others, you must join the great crusade to correct it, listen to my voice, and learn to undo error and act to correct it. So it's your uh, action of correction or inner correction that uh, makes you part of the atonement. The power to work miracles belongs to you. I will provide the opportunities to do them, but you must be ready and willing. Doing them brings conviction in the ability, because conviction comes through accomplishment. The ability is the potential the achievement is its expression, and the atonement, which is the natural profession of the children of God, is the purpose. So we all have the ability to work miracles, and we all are moving toward self-correction, or this atonement, and working the miracle, making the correction, is the achievement it says the achievement is the expression. We have the ability to work the miracle, but then when we make the correction and the miracle takes place, that's the achievement. And then if you add all that up, that's the atonement. This next paragraph is very beautiful. It's in quotes, Heaven and earth shall pass away. So that's a quote from the Bible. Heaven and earth shall pass away means that they will not continue to exist as separate states. 
my word, which is the resurrection and the life, shall not pass away because life is eternal. You are the work of God, and his work is wholly lovable and wholly loving. This is how a man must think of himself in his heart because this is what he is. Can you comment on yeah, that? that? That is really beautiful. Well, heaven and earth will become one, is what they're saying, that, that you will be able to live in heaven on earth. And basically, that's what that's saying. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, people could interpret that as meaning heaven and earth shall pass away, meaning, well, you're going to die. But it doesn't mean that. It means that the uh, state of mind that perceives opposites. Mm -hmm. Heaven is perceived as an opposite of earth. Um, That state of perceiving opposites will pass away. Right. Uh, It says heaven and earth... Well, shall pass away means that they will not continue to exist as separate states. So it's a unification. It's like bringing heaven to earth. And, you know, that's the function of the human being is to bring the uh, reality of the spirit of this heaven state into the physical realm of the world state. So that's that's what our job is then it says the forgiven are the means of the atonement being filled with spirit they forgive in return those who are released must join in releasing their brothers for this is the plan of the atonement miracles are the way in which minds that serve the holy spirit unite with me for the salvation or release of all of god's creations so I don't know if that's the first place it talks about it, but it's it's the first chapter, and it's starting to mention forgiveness as the means of the atonement. It says the forgiven are the means of the atonement. So accepting the atonement, forgiving yourself, forgiving others, that's all part of that action. That's That's the means. And then being filled with the Spirit, they forgive in return. So when you get your atonement, you get your original innocence. You've you've totally undone all sense of guilt in yourself for anything. Then you've forgiven yourself, and then it's your job to extend that to other people. Being filled with the Spirit, they forgive in return. So what you've received, you you give in return. So you receive the forgiveness and you give the forgiveness. It's all one action. And that action is the atonement. Those who are released must join in releasing their brothers, for this is the plan of the atonement. What do you think about that? Um, that... You release others you by forgiving them, right? You forgive. That's how you release others. Just forgive them. You tell me. Well, that's what I get out of you. Yeah. And. Yeah. So. That's the work of the atonement is forgiveness. Now. This. Uh, bit about the Christ in the next paragraph, I mean, we kind of have to listen to it. 
He says, I am the only one who can perform miracles indiscriminately because I am the atonement. You have a role in the atonement which I will dictate to you. Ask me which miracles you should perform. This spares you needless effort because you will be acting under direct communication. The impersonal nature of the miracle is an essential ingredient because it enables me to direct its application and under my guidance miracles lead to highly personal experience of revelation. A guide does not control but he does direct leaving it up to you to follow. Lead us not into temptation means recognize your errors and choose to abandon them by following my guidance. So, <clears throat> so we have to ask Jesus what miracles we are, we are supposed to perform? That's what it's saying. Mm -hmm. I am the only one who can perform mir miracles indiscriminately because I am the atonement. Well, when he says I'm in charge of the process of atonement, he's also saying... I am so, because I have mastered it completely, I, I and the atonement are the same thing. I am the atonement. You have a role in the atonement which I will dictate to you. Ask me which miracles you should perform. I mean, how much clearer could that be? Mm. So we could ask right now then. Yeah, we could ask, uh, this is Sunday. August 9th, and we would like our day to be dedicated to miracles, and we're asking the Christ to show us which miracles he would want us to perform. So everyone can do that, but then you have to, you know, sit quiet and listen to be directed. Error cannot really threaten truth, which can always withstand it. Only the error is actually vulnerable. You are free to establish your kingdom where you see fit, but the right choice is inevitable if you remember this. Spirit is in a state of grace forever. Your reality is only spirit, therefore you are in a state of grace forever. Atonement undoes all errors in this respect and thus uproots the source of fear. Whenever you experience God's reassurance as threat, it is always because you are defending misplaced or misdirected loyalty. When you, protect, when you project this to others, you imprison them, but only to the extent to which you reinforce errors they have already made. This makes them vulnerable to the distortions of others since their own perception of themselves is distorted. The miracle worker can only bless them and this undoes their distortions and frees them from prison. What do you make of that? That you should only bless others? That's the only way? Well, I think, I think we have to be careful because um, it's talking about errors and it's talking about correction and atonement and it's talking about us asking the Christ 
to direct us in which miracles he wants us to perform. So, you know, uh, we're always listening to people's stories. And sometimes they have a pretty, you know, uh, traumatic past that they bring to share with us. And that past has affected them in the present. So correction of their past is often something kind of put on our table to help them with. But I think you have to be very careful in this correction process of uh, not making their errors real, you know. And I think that's what this is saying. The real correction is when you restore people to their awareness of the grace that they're already in. They may not be aware of it, but you have to be aware of it. You have to be aware of your own grace. You have to be aware of the divine uh, providence in your life. And you're correcting people to restore them back to that awareness. So that's what this is saying. Spirit is in a state of grace forever. Your reality is only spirit, therefore you are in a state of grace forever. Well, people come to us and they don't, they're not in the state of grace. They're not aware of the grace. They're aware of their problems. They're upset. They're afraid. They're angry. They're, uh, you know, obsessed with their negative self-opinion, you know? So we're given the role to work the miracle and correct that. But the way to correct it is not making the error real, but to give the blessing or restore the awareness of the grace. You see the difference? Mm. Like, so you have to be very careful when you, you can't come from this kind of self-righteous, well, I know, and you don't, and you made this big mistake, and you should do this. Mm -hmm. You know, it has to be uh, seeing the Christ in them, seeing the highest uh, potential in them, and making them aware of that high potential. Mm -hmm. You know, making them aware that spirit is in a state of grace forever. And they are spirit, and therefore they are in this state of grace whether they're aware of it or not, you have to help them make, be aware of it. Mm -hmm. And that's what Jesus does with us. Mm -hmm. We may not be aware that we are in a state of grace, but he restores our awareness to the grace. And that's how the correction is made. It's very gentle and it's very uplifting. It's never making wrong the other person. And I, I think this is something that we have to really get because we were so conditioned in our childhood that w when you made a mistake, there was this kind of make wrong or we felt bad from the mistake. So we didn't develop a love for correction. We, we developed a guilt for correction. Yeah, because of the disapproval. Disapproval, um, make wrong, you know, it was implied that when you made a mistake, you were guilty. And this new form of correction where 
you don't make the error real and you you make the correction in a kind of innocent uplifting uh joyousness you know we haven't developed a joy for correction we have a dread for correction because it's accompanied with the guilt that goes along with the error and this is correcting that there is no guilt in the correction it's a restoration mm-hmm. of grace mm-hmm. that that in essence you're already in so yes. it's restoring you to a state of being in which you are already in that you're just not aware of it but now your awareness is being restored so it's reminding people yeah it's reminding them who they are as god created them you respond to what you perceive and as you perceive so shall you behave the golden rule ask you to do unto others as you would have them do unto you this means that the perception of both must be accurate the golden rule is the rule for appropriate behavior you cannot behave appropriately unless you perceive correctly since you and your neighbor are equal members of one family as you perceive both so you will do to both you should look out from the perception of your own holiness to the holiness of others what do you say about that well yeah focus on their holiness that's a good idea yeah focus so, on our holiness and focus on their holiness yeah and the golden rule is the rule for appropriate behavior since you and your neighbor are equal members of one family as you perceive both so will you do to both so how you treat yourself is how you treat someone else mm-hmm. and how you treat someone else is how you treat yourself yeah you know it's like there's no you're equal members in this family mm-hmm. it says so you perceive both so will you do to both so there's no there's no uh getting around this point what you give you receive how you treat others you treat yourself mm-hmm. how you treat yourself you treat others there's no getting around that you know so that's how the atonement works if you forgive yourself you can't forgive yourself without forgiving everyone else mm-hmm. basically is what it's saying you can't be in a state of grace or awareness of your grace if you're not including everyone else in that grace spirit is in a state of grace forever your reality is only spirit you know and when it uses the word only that's like a absolute word mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't leave any room for you being anything else when it says your reality is only spirit and then when it says spirit is in a state of grace forever meaning it never spirit is never in a non-grace state right that's what that first statement means right. spirit is in a state of grace forever that means it's always in grace it's always been in grace it's in grace now it'll be grace in the future it's always grace it never deviates from grace it never falls into anything but grace so that's the nature of spirit is grace and then it says your reality is only spirit 
And if grace, if your reality is spirit, and spirit is always in grace, that means you are in grace. Your, your true identity is always in grace. This is what I was telling you a couple days ago. This is what philosophy calls a syllogism. And it's a three-part basis for logic. It means, like, if this premise is true and the next premise is true based on the first one, then the third premise has to, the third conclusion has to be true. And that's called a syllogism in philosophy. And this is a perfect syllogism. It's like it makes a statement. Spirit is in a state of grace forever. Well, that's a priori. Uh, uh, philosophy would call that a priori. It's, it's like when Jefferson wrote, all men are created equal. That's a statement. It's of a priori. That means it's always true, and it, it's like something that you can't prove with any other means. It's just, it's either true or it's not true. So if you don't accept the first statement, if you don't believe that spirit's in a state of grace forever, forget it. This whole course in miracles is going to fall apart for you and it won't mean anything. But if you get it, spirit is in a state of grace forever, and you accept that that's the word of the Christ making that statement and the Christ is making true statements, then okay, so spirit is in a state of grace forever. Then it says your reality is only spirit. You know, you're not a body, Mm -hmm. you're a spirit. It says that. Mm -hmm. So if you accept those first two premises as true, then the third statement has to be true. Therefore, you are in a state of grace forever. Mm -hmm. So, and... If you're in a state of grace, grace doesn't include anger, doesn't include problems, doesn't include, you know, all kinds of attack thoughts and grievances. That's not part of grace. So the rest of the course is trying to get you to give all that stuff up that's not grace because it's not your true identity. Your reality is only spirit and spirit is in a state of grace. So therefore, you are in a state of grace. Well, are you in a state of grace? Or are you all screwed up? (laughs) So if you're all screwed up, that's your responsibility to correct that. And that's what the atonement's for. Okay, and you need miracles to do that. Miracles arise from a mind that is ready for them. By being united, this mind goes out to everyone, even without the awareness of the miracle worker himself. The impersonal nature of miracles is because the atonement itself is one, uniting all creations with their creator. As an expression of what you truly are, the miracle places the mind in a state of grace. The mind then naturally welcomes the host within and the stranger without. When you bring in the stranger, he becomes your brother. Make a comment on that. Well, when you bring in a stranger, he becomes your brother, means that there are no strangers. Right. Your brother is, everybody is your brother. Right? When everyone is your brother. Yeah. And when you've accepted the atonement for yourself, mm-hmm. since everyone is you, 
you've also accepted it for them. So when you've completely forgiven yourself and everyone, then everyone else is completely forgiven too. And that brings you into this uh, realm of the atonement. The impersonal nature of miracles is because the atonement itself is one, uniting all creations with their creator. So, I mean, it's not just for humans, it's for you're uniting every atom of creation with the Creator through your forgiveness, through your acceptance of the atonement. And that's a miracle. Mm. And it says you're not even aware. Being united, this mind goes out to everyone, even without the awareness of the miracle worker himself. Mm. So it's not something you have to consciously do, other than you consciously... Uh, surrender to the necessity of miracles and the atonement and you accept Jesus or the Christ as your teacher of the atonement because he says I'm in charge of the process of of atonement so what's that mean well if you're doing the course in miracles Jesus is your master teacher here let's let's not mince words here but uh he doesn't make you dependent on him. It's not a kind of a, a, a tyrannic submission, you know, or tyrannic dominance. It's like something that's going to wake you up and make your life more happy and better. So <clears throat> why wouldn't you want to surrender to some teacher that can do that for you? So this thing where people get a little bit... Uh, <clears throat> uh, reluctant to surrender to a master teacher uh, and it's all the false theology that we were taught in churches where surrendering to teacher me- meant we had to immerse ourselves in our guilt you know and and kind of you know confess to all of our guilt well, this Course in Miracles says you have to confess to your innocence. And when, and when you're confessing to your innocence, then you're closer to the Christ, and Christ would only want you to see your innocence. And forget about all the mistakes and the so-called guilt that you thought you had. So that's the, the function of the Christ. Miracles are selective only in the sense that they are directed towards those who can use them for themselves. Since this makes it inevitable that they will extend them to others, a strong chain of atonement is welded. However, this selectivity takes no account of the magnitude of the miracle itself, because the concept of size exists on a plane that is itself unreal. Since the miracle aims at restoring the awareness of reality, it would not be useful if it were bound by the laws that govern error it aims to correct. Well, this is like referring to there's no degree of difficulty in miracles. There's no big ones, small ones. Curing cancer is no harder than curing common cold. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this... um, This little prayer, spirit is in a state of grace forever. Your reality is only spirit. Therefore, you are in a state of grace forever. 
you could use that to correct any problem in your life. So this, you know, speaking to our listeners here in this podcast, you should really memorize these three lines. Mm -hmm. Spirit is in a state of grace forever. Your reality or my reality is only spirit. Therefore, I am in a state of grace forever. So this this is kind of the boon of this this section in chapter one, atonement and miracles. Well, Christ, Jesus has given you one of the biggest miracles right here in these three lines. Mm. If you just memorize that, and any time you're having a problem, you remember that, you're invoking the Christ to work a miracle. Mm. You know, where it says, he, he's, he's saying, ask me which miracles to perform. Well, if you find yourself in, or someone else, in a problematic situation, and you just recite these three lines, you're automatically invoking the Christ to come in and, and direct the miracle. Spirit is in a state of grace forever. Your reality is only spirit, therefore you are in a state of grace forever. So, I mean, we'll end on some, some example. What problem would you like solved? Hmm. So just give me a problem you would like solved. Um. I would like to have certainty that I never get um, skin cancer again in my life. Oh, okay. So you've had some some minor episodes of skin cancer, right. and you would like to apply this um, this spirit is in a state of grace forever. Mm-hmm. Your reality is only spirit. Therefore, you are in a state of grace mm-hmm. forever. So, okay. So the... The fact is we have not accepted the grace. So would you say that that any illness such as that and grace are not in the same right. realm? Right. All right. So, uh, uh, you know, later it says sickness is a defense against the truth. So the truth would be the grace. And every sickness that we can come up with is... A refusal of the grace. Oh, right. Because the sickness and the grace doesn't um, go in the same mind. So, um, so let's just use that and say, well, I'm, I made a mistake and I'm willing to accept the grace and therefore my sickness is gone. Mm-hmm. And there's the miracle right there. And there's the, the direction from the Christ. Thank you. So, thank you.